Today's episode is brought to you by the Natural History Institute, located at 126 North Marina Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. The Natural History Institute is a nonprofit which seeks to cultivate love and understanding of the natural world. They have programs for naturalists of all stripes, newcomer, novice, and veteran. All are welcome who are looking to deepen their relationship with the natural world. Please check out their website at naturalhistoryinstitute.org or head to their Natural History YouTube channel. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey, everybody. I am so stoked on today's podcast because I have the most interesting guest. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Debbie has been studying, designing, and thinking about architecture for most of her life. Having lived in varied environments, from college towns to Himalayan villages, southern suburbia to coastal cities, Debbie credits these cross-cultural experiences with shaping her understanding of lifestyles and the homes that support them. She attended Tulane University and UCLA, where she received not one, but her two master's degrees in architecture. Debbie recently published House to Home, Designing Your Space for the Way You Live by Roost Books. It's an interactive guidebook to home design based on her experience both as an architect and in designing and building her own home in Berkeley, California, where she lives with her husband and three kids. Debbie has her own full-service architecture practice, specializing in modern casual design. She enjoys working on a range of housing types from larger multifamily, co-living, and workforce housing to townhouses and single-family homes. She's active in local planning and advocacy efforts that support a diverse and dynamic built environment. She loves working on homes the most because of the personal relationships she develops with the clients, helping them live in more meaningful and realized lives in their new space. If you'd like to learn more about Debbie Dutta Chowdhury, please see our show notes for links to her website and social media accounts. Everybody, I am so excited for today's podcast because I have a guest today that I am meeting for the first time who is lovely and so accomplished and is an artist in one of the ways that I admire most and so far out of my personal realm that I, I can't wait to ask you all the questions. Debbie is here with us. She is an architect and she wrote a book. Tell me about your book, Debbie. Say hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm Debbie. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, so yeah, I wrote a book. I've been an architect for you know 20 years, but recently um, wrote this book called House to Home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a book that came out of doing um, my own home. Like I've been helping other people for years as the architect, but then I did my own house <laughs> project and the tables kind of turned on me. And I was like, oh, oh this is a different perspective. Like this is different than what I normally do when I'm helping a homeowner, I, I, I was, you know, helping myself. So I wrote it from kind of that experience playing both sides of being a client and being a, 
you know, the architect. So I love it. And I want to dive in. Can we start um, from the beginning of you, though, and and get to how you became this brilliant human that so many people work with and all these incredible designs? I was on your website looking at all the different things you've designed. And I was just my mind was blown. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's incredible. So let's start at the beginning of you. Where were you born? What is your family life like? Are you know, were you an artsy kid? Were you drawing? Tell me about yourself. Well, way back. Um, so hold on, let me move my hair a little bit. Um, I was born in Michigan, actually. My dad was a um You're an East Coaster. Grad school. So sorry. You're an East Coaster. Kind of, kind north, of. Northeast coast? Yeah, north. Yeah. 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 Kind of, but I was only there for a year. Um, and then um my dad my parents are from India and that we moved back to India because he was just kind of here for, for grad school. Um, you know, he was done after my sister and I were both born here and we went back. So I lived in India for about four years. Um, and I think, you know, I think it was different after you've lived in America, especially for my mom, um, as a woman living here where you're, you know, more equal (laughs) and going back to a culture that was maybe not as progressive on, uh, on those fronts. I think it was a little hard to move back. So we came back to America um, and I lived in Houston for a while. And then we sort of ended up in uh, Louisiana was the last place where I kind of finished uh, middle school and high school. Wow. So let's talk about that because I think that's such an interesting thing to have cross-cultural experiences and very different experiences. But how was it when you moved back? I mean, how did we get from these from place to place to place? Was it all based around your parents' academic studies? Was it partially like, oh, well, now we've finished school. Let's go back to America. How did, how did all of that transpire? I, I think it was just about like, yeah, education and opportunities and in India not being what they wanted for us. So, uh, yeah, we came back here so we could have, you know. So how old were you more. roughly when you came back? I was uh, five. So okay. yeah, pretty young. <laughs> yeah. So you were still pretty little. So most of your life has been raised in the United States. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Western culture versus Indian culture is very interesting. How was that in, um, in your home life being raised by two Indian parents in an American culture? Your mom was probably like, this is awesome. <laughs> but I mean, how did that integrate into your lifestyle for you guys? Uh, that's kind of a hard, hard question as a kid. Cause I, you know, that it was just all I knew. Right. Um, I think I, because I moved a lot when I was little, I was, um, that was a skill I developed, I think early on is to be able to kind of integrate into different, different cultures quickly. Yeah. Um, and just the South, I think was, it's very different. So I absolutely (laughs) like, yeah, I mean, the South is a very different culture from, you know, East Coast, Northern East Coast, West Coast. There's everybody's got their own playing field that they're used to, you know, and their own style of living for sure. So I I think I ended up, I mean, at least in high school, I ended up becoming kind of friends with other people who were also different. I think it was just the the way you navigate, uh, like being in a place that has such an amazing history and culture, but it's people who grew up there. So they're all very close to each other. Right. So that's kind of a hard uh, place to insert myself fully. You know what I mean? So yeah. I kind of being friends with other people who are also maybe outsiders a little bit. Right. 
like yeah. tends to find like. You're like, I get what you're going through. You get what I'm going through. Like, yeah. we live here. This is our home. But also, we haven't known each other since we were inside our grandmothers, you know, like generationally. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a strong kind of like, you know, people who who grew up there and have long, huge extended families that I could would never really fit into in the same way, even though they're great people. And, you know, I had great friends there as well. Yeah. But yeah, a little different for for us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> were you always an artistic kid? Like, were you inclined to drawing or were you inclined to design early on or were you a creative kid in other ways initially? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, uh, well, I had the Barbie dream house. When I, was <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're like, I was already planning, you know, <laughs> who was going to live where yeah. with my Barbie dream house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I was, I, I think I thought of, actually, um, I have an older sister and I thought, I always thought of her as the artistic one because she did draw and, um, and wrote and everything. And I kind of just tried to follow along with her, yeah. uh, in my, uh, work, but I, I, I kind of didn't realize that architecture was a profession until I got to college and I saw other people like you know, designing things and making models. And I was like, oh, that can be a thing? what I do for a living. That's amazing. Because <laughs> I started out as an English major, and I, you know, which I like. I like, um, you know, books and writing and all that. Yeah. But when I saw people, like my dorm mates coming back with like big drawings and little, you know, things they'd made, I thought, wow, that's, that's what I want to do. Now I have to ask you because I always, I have a five-year-old son and he's a very creatively minded person. And I'm always like, in my mind, because you're the first architect I've ever been able to sit down and interview. In my mind, I, I'm always like with wanting him to be who he is, obviously, and not pushing him. But I'm like, you're so artsy. Like architecture is a great way to be able to have a creative endeavor, but also maybe have a stable livelihood <laughs> opposed to like a musician. But tell me, like when you're discovering the architecture path, when you say, I didn't really even know that this was a thing. Do you find it to be as creative as someone from the outside might be? Is it a lot more tech math based, technical based, you know, numbers, um, measurements, <laughs> things yeah, that I think there's a kind of this perception that there's a lot of math in architecture. And um I don't think that's true. I mean you do have to kind of understand how things come together and there's definitely tons of technical aspects to architecture, but I think the core of it is, is creative. You yeah. know, you're creating places, yeah. and you're designing how people inhabit the space. So I, yeah, I think at its core, it's more on the creative side than on the, the technical side. That's so amazing. So let's yeah. go, let's go back a little bit because we, you beautifully like told me your life story in a nanosecond, but I want to dive into that just a little bit longer. So you get back to the United States, you're around five-ish, whatever. You're growing up. What state did you land in as a family first? Where did you relocate First, to? we were in Texas. In, in Texas. Houston. Okay. And how um, long were you there? I was there, we were there for about three years before we moved to Louisiana. And I, um, my mom, I also, wait, well, maybe I was actually more like four and a half because I remember going to a little bit of preschool in Houston and my, cause my mom was also teaching there at the, at the preschool. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and then we moved, yeah, to Louisiana, which was also a big change from like a big city like Houston to then moving to, was at the time kind of a small town in Louisiana. Yeah. 
Um, what, so yeah, that was what part was it? Shreveport or what part? Shreveport. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And how did your, I mean, you were a young kid, but how did you feel like, did your parents, what would, what was it that your dad did that? He was, uh, at the time he was in the oil industry. So that oh, was. Oh yeah. Texas. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, that Texas, makes sense. Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. That, that makes sense. I mean, that seems logical. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, so he was just following work and, and yeah. your sister, were you guys close? Were, was it something that you both, she was creative. Did you guys kind of huddle up and be siblings through all these transitions and be best pals? Or were you like fighting cats and dogs? I mean, <laughs> you know, I think she was just old enough. She's four years older than me. I think she was just old enough that we were not in the same place. Uh, social yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> so she kind of did her thing. You know, that's a big, when you're five, and your siblings nine, like that's like a, totally. a lifetime. You're different people. <laughs> so, yeah. You're totally yeah. different people, different needs. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, we, we, we weren't fighting, but I wouldn't say we were like close until we got older and that age gap right. feels, feels less. As you started to get into like the junior high and high school years, you stayed in Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where yes. you had your formative kind of teenage years. Were you then at that point, because you said you kind of followed your sister a little. It's so funny. I've had so many guests. This is an aside, by the way. But I've had so many guests that I initially am like, how did you find kind of your artistry? And many have been like, well, my older sibling was doing it. And, you know, that's the thing you kind of model and mimic and and follow after the person who's paved so many steps before you. Did you have interests that were different from hers initially? Were you an outdoorsy kid or were you just a a bookworm kid? Were you a studious child? Yeah, so she was the bookworm kid. So uh, she was kind of more artsy and booky, bookish, whereas I think I liked the artistic part, but I was more social. I was Mm. like the the one who was always out. in the People person. Yeah, people person, just chatting and making. Which is so interesting because come to fruition, I mean, I would imagine with architecture and I was reading part of your bio where it's like part of the joy is getting to work with people in their needs in the way they live and create these relationships because yeah. a, a home is a very personal existing place. I mean, that's yeah. everybody's, you know, refuge. So it's the place that you're wanting to create around a lifestyle of a person and and probably those people skills have paid off for you, yes. I would imagine. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Cause I mean, that's, that is what I love. It's just like talking to people and figuring out like their little quirks and, you know, and yeah. that's always been an interest before architecture, just kind of gossip and chatting. With yeah. People. <laughs> and just getting their stories and seeing what's yeah. going on. I feel you on that. This is how this came to be. Um, yeah. I, so in high school, did you, was college something for your family? It sounds like you had an academic studious family. Was it like you girls are going to go to college or was it kind of like, you know, I'd like to go to college. Eh, I mean, oh, there was no question. Yeah. There was no <laughs> other path. <laughs> You're all, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have any desire to get out of Louisiana? Where did you then go to school? Did you stay in state? Um, so I, I don't know. I guess I wasn't, um, I didn't want to go too far from home. My my sister had gone to the University of Texas in Austin. Um, so again, following her, I applied there as well. But I also applied to um, Tulane, which is in um, Louisiana, but it's in New Orleans, which is like the, awesome. the cool big city. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up going going there, uh, which I'm, I'm glad I did. I, I think that it was a great city for... Um, architecture and culture and food and just yeah. everything. 
So is that where you, because you said you initially started in English. Is that, so how was that transition specifically into architect? What was the discovery process of that for you? Um, You know, where I I started, yeah, I was at Tulane and for a year and I was taking all my, um, you know, prerequisite kind of English classes and they were fine, but it was kind of more of the same, you know, like what I, I had already been kind of doing English and reading for a while. And I, I, didn't, <laughs> I wasn't too inspired by it, but then, um, like I said, I, I kind of, Tulane has a, a very good architecture program, but I wasn't in it, but I was seeing the people in my dorm and people around campus kind of, yeah. you know, doing these projects that were very different from kind of the academic route I was on. Cause for me, it's like, what's the end of an English major? It's just more, more, <laughs> <laughs> more reading, English more English yeah. teacher, more, yeah. more literacy, more planning of, of words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It felt kind of like a narrow track to me, whereas architecture, at least the way they taught it at Tulane, it felt kind of broad. Like there were, there were many paths or kind of exciting paths that could emerge from this. So then from a college student perspective, did you then have to go back to the school and like change your major and do all of that stuff? And was your, yeah, yeah, was your family behind you? Were they like, oh, architecture, okay. Or were they kind of (laughs) like, uh, Uh, Yeah, I had to change uh, because also the, you know, all the requirements are totally different. So I couldn't really use what I'd already done. um, Right. Architecture major. So I had to do this like, condensed summer program that after my first year to kind of make up for what everyone else had, had already taken. Right. Um, And my parents were, I think they were supportive, but they were like, um, you know, like if you want to do this, okay. But I think they, my dad, uh, you know, he was an engineer. So I think he thought of architecture as more like, why is it? In, why aren't you just doing engineering? <laughs> right, know? right. Opposed to the design elements, he's like, "Why don't you just build the buildings and tell yeah. everybody?" Yeah, like why? Okay, yeah. I, I, that may. I mean, if that's what he knows, I can see how relatably he was like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I think like, well, if you're excited about it and you're taking all the steps to do it, then then fine, you know. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, did you just kind of run with it? I mean, once you dove in, were you excited by it? Was it something, or did you ever get the kind of cold feet of like, I made this decision, I'm taking all this extra stuff. Oh my gosh, what if, uh, I don't know. I mean, how does any, I, I ask this a lot because how does any like 18 to 20 year old know, like I'm supposed to be studying what I'm supposed to be in quotes doing for the rest of my life. If it works out that way, that's incredible. Some people huh. go and study and then do a left turn and never use their degree ever. So like, as you were jumping in, was it fueling you in a new way that you had kind of? Yeah. I mean, I felt like, um, I felt like I kind of found my people when I got into this school because everyone was kind of in this like creative mode and um, just like a different way of working. Like they people were in the studio like all the time, just like, working at stuff and building and drawing and creating. So I, I felt like that aligned better with how I like to work. Yeah. Um, I wasn't one of the ones who was there 24 seven. There were definitely those, <laughs> those people who were, who were there a lot more than I was. Live, but it, it breathe, felt sleep, comfortable eat. to me. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, how did, what was your first, I guess, what was the first thing you tried to conquer in school? Like what was your first project idea? Cause looking well, back on it now as a, project. as a professional now, like <laughs> looking back at where your starting points of thought process were. Oh, well, I, I mean, I sometimes still cringe <laughs> the projects that I did in architecture school. Like I, one of the first ones, because I hadn't been with the class that first year, um, you know, my class that I was entering had already done a year together and they had, even though I'd done the condensed program to kind of catch up with them, it was different than what, what they had learned. And so I was just kind of diving in and I did this project that was like all circles. Like I just did like circles, intersecting circles. And I don't know what I was thinking, but that was kind of my first, <laughs> <laughs> my first like idea. I was like, yeah, I'm going to run with this. Circle thing. <laughs> I'm going to own the circles. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm just putting them everywhere and everyone's going to love it. Yeah. And I don't know what people thought of it, but I was like, it so, was definitely not like anyone else's project. And I think people were like, oh, I don't know about this girl. <laughs> just joined our class. But, you know, I think it, I, it, I, ha- I felt like a lot of freedom coming into architecture school. To, I never did that again. <laughs> You're, I let that one go real quick. But I'm just curious, <laughs> what, was the, what was the premise of it? Was it a building of circles? Was it, I mean, obviously, I mean, building, but I mean, was it meant to be a living space, a workspace? Was it... <laughs> I think it was like a visitor's center kind of, um, I can't remember, you know, we're always given like a hypothetical project. Like oh, this is, yeah. um, this is the client, this is the program. Um, so it was some kind of visitor's center kind of thing. So it was some sort of visitor center. You were getting all creative. You were having the circles. Everybody's like, wow, this girl is really out there. She's like catching up and being a badass, but also circles, really? Um, yeah, I don't think they thought I was a badass. I think they were like, that's hokey. <laughs> you could have done better, Debbie. Could have yeah. done better. <laughs> I think everyone else was into like cool, modern, like sleek, sleek lines and stuff. And I was like, Look at these. Look at these circles. <laughs> these are amazing. So as you evolve and you and you do that project and you realize maybe that didn't knock it out of the park the way I thought it would, <laughs> how did you start approaching your work from a more um I don't know, I guess a, a more like functional standpoint? Did you learn that lesson quickly from that project or was it something that Yeah. Well, I mean, the project was like decently received, I think. People kind of understood what I was trying to do formally, but like I think after that, I took a more um, personal approach. Like a circle is very like kind of imposing a shape on something that you know probably doesn't quite work. And I think after that, I took a more narrative. Like oh, if I'm walking through a space, like what makes sense, um, you right. know, experientially instead of like it imposed on me. Right. This looks cool. You must deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I know better. The school, the the circle is awesome. Live with it. I don't care if your furniture doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) So after that, you were like, maybe I should walk through the experience and see it through the eyes of the person. And the reason I'm asking these questions is because it's like, as we all evolve in artistry, in our artistry, whatever it be, and in our professions, whatever it be, we obviously grow and evolve as humans as well, which is where I want to get into in a minute you know, post-school, being a professional and doing exactly what you said, being on the other side of it and going, oh, 
oh, I'm doing this for me now. Like, oh, I'm seeing through a different set of eyes, my eyes as the client opposed to just the person designing based on what you tell me. So from the Circle Project, as you started to get into more of the experience-driven perceptions of a building or a space, like how did you, looking back, did you see yourself evolving in that capacity as far as like figuring out needs before the design? Or how does that work, I guess I should say? Like, do you do you come from a place of, like you said, they give you the, the um, you know, whatever the assignment is to be like, this is the client, this is their needs. Do you start with imagining livable needs? Do you start with imagining business needs so that you're thinking about like, oh, well, they're going to need a room for storage or they're going to need a closet here because, or do you strictly start on what the land looks like or what, where the placement is, the functionality of the environment? How does, how does one, cause that's all in there. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's kind of all, I mean, I definitely think about, um, light, like natural light first uh-huh. of all. So yeah, the site is very important and like where is light going to be best for these certain needs? You know, you don't want your, you know, living room in the darkest corner of the house, say, or, you know, I mean, but you might, maybe, you know, kind of depends on how you use it. It's kind of personal. Right. Right. Um, So yeah, definitely. I start with like all these um, restrictions that might be on your site or, or orientations or, you know, things that, that you can't control and you try to work within those, parameters. That's fascinating because it's, I think that's probably the element most people don't think of, whether it's a home or a workspace, you think, okay, yeah, I want three bedroom, two bath. I want a big, you know, patio. I want a nice, maybe I want to see the sunset. Maybe that's as far as people get, but it it really does dial down so much more when you're like, where do you live the most? How do you want that room to feel? Where do you relax the most? How do you want that room to feel? Where do your kids run around like lunatics? How do you want that room to feel? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So when you were still in school, did they diversify those projects? So was one like a home and one a big corporate building and one, did you have to learn all of these concepts? Interesting. I think architecture education is a little more... um, we don't really do a house. It's really rare to ah. design a house in architecture school. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's like too personal or too small. Yeah. Um, too I don't subjective, know, but, I guess. Sorry. I said maybe too subjective, dependent on yeah, who yeah. They, you know. It would really be, yeah, yeah, dependent on the personalities of the people um, who, who live there. But I, um, they try to, I think it's more about design thinking like you have a problem you have a space you have certain parameters and how do you think through the solutions to that um, problem so you're a people person a problem solver and an artistic designer you're like all (laughs) these hats in one just being an architect that's amazing you do have to know a lot about or a little about a lot of things as an architect (laughs) uh yeah how how does that work with um like city stuff because because I'm the architect does the design side as you're implementing all these problem solving elements like how what happens when you run into 
a person that has hired you and you've designed it and it's incredible. And then they take the plans to the city and the city's like, oh, except we're not going to have a sewage hookup there or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. The sewage hookup is actually out your front window. I, you know, I don't know. But how do you combat these things? Or do, is this something common that you deal with? Yeah, no, that's part and parcel of the whole process. Like, you know, hopefully from the beginning, you know what those kind of parameters are are and your designer around them like oh actually we can't put your bathroom here because of this that or the other thing and and hopefully you're thinking through that from the beginning so you're not surprised when the the city is like no (laughs) good idea but no (laughs) yeah but then you deal with it I mean I think part of it is uh being flexible and not getting so tied to an idea that you're gonna um you know, cause a lot of other problems by making this one idea work, you know. So I think it's about adaptability and making sure you've got a, got a backup plan. <laughs> that that makes sense and seems like a very, you seem like a good architect. I would want somebody who's like, don't worry, I've thought of this ahead of time and we're going to work our way through it. So you graduate Tulane, right? Uh-huh. Um, yes. How does the big, wide, big, scary world of architecture look to a, a young graduate being, I mean, were you like, I'm going to go conquer the world and go work at this place? Or were you immediately like, I'm going to go open my own thing? How does that look for somebody? Um, well, so, you know, New Orleans, as amazing a city as it is, it's it's a very historic city. So I felt like it wasn't a great place to kind of, you know, learn more about architecture, uh, at least like new, yeah. new work. So, I mean, I think the general, I mean, this happened with, you know, most of my classes, they kind of scattered to these bigger cities that have um, more going on. And I was trying to decide between like New York and, and the Bay Area. um, And I was about set on New York because a good contingent of my class was going there. Had you been there before? Because now I'm, I'm just asking because now you've been raised in this small town, basically you uh, go to the big city of New Orleans. Had you done New York yet? Had you seen those figures? Should I tell a funny story? Yeah, about please, my, please. My first trip to New York. <laughs> I had stopped in New York before, like uh, on the way to India, you know, we'd go every few years. And so I, I, I definitely had a layover to there, but I hadn't really experienced it as uh, a young person on your on my own until um, there was an episode of the David Letterman show um, where they wanted to fly in the audience from New Orleans because they were going to have Richard Simmons. On the show. <laughs> so like, that alone is funny. That's amazing. Yeah. It was kind of funny. sweating and to the oldies. Like, <laughs> so I, I just like put it, my name in a hat. I forget what the process was and there because they were trying to solicit the New Orleans residents to, to go. So in a few of my friends somehow uh, put our name in and were chosen. So I, <laughs> So they like chartered a plane to New York um, so we could watch the David Letterman show. And um, so that was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty like for like a, you know, 21, 22 year old kid. Yeah. Really amazing. So yeah, I spent a couple nights in New York and and I saw friends, you know, who had moved there and I was like, yeah, this place is amazing. So you had that instant like New York's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 But then, you know, as I was making my decision about where to move, um, my, one of my best friends from high school that I had grown up with in Shreveport, um, had gone to, to Berkeley for college. And she was like, 
no, come to San Francisco, you know, and, and it was kind of like, she already, I already had a place to stay, you know, I had somebody I knew, I felt like it gave you a little bit more of a net. Yeah. 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 But yeah, there was someone, someone to catch me there. <laughs> Whereas New York, it, it would be a little more, you know, find my way. So at the last minute I decided on San Francisco because my, my friend was there. Now I have to ask just because from a, from a family dynamic where your parents were, had your sister already left where your parents like, you can't leave us. Like, I mean, my, <laughs> our baby girl, like, where are you going? Yeah. Or were they, or are they like, go see, go figure it out. Go do it. Uh, no, it well, it's funny. So my, my dad, he was very like worried about, you know, supporting myself and getting a job. So he was trying to get me a job with like somebody he knew and, in like, I want to say it was in Houston, like doing like CAD drafting for right. like, a, <laughs> you know, some engineering company. And I was like, no, I didn't go to architecture school for to do that. five years to craft <laughs> <laughs> valves for somebody. So, uh, so they, I think he was like worried I wouldn't be able to get a job. So I didn't have a job when I moved to San Francisco. I, I just like, Flew out. Oh, you are time. gutsy, my friend. You are gutsy. You're like, I will figure it out. I'll just go to one <laughs> yeah. of the most expensive cities on the planet Earth. And I, you pick the two most expensive cities on planet Earth. And you were like, and I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had no doubt that it would work out. I don't, I was naive, of course, naive, but I think you need that. Like, oh no, I love that. I think you need that. Yeah. I think you need to think that it's all just doable, which I think is yeah. kind of by design. I think when yeah. you're in your like twenties, we all think like I can do anything. Yeah. Thankfully, because I think that's the only way any of us get to anywhere. Is <laughs> just yeah. blind yeah. assurance that it'll be fine. Right. Yeah. If I had been older or kind of thought it through more, I might have been like, no, I should go work for this like valve company. Right. It's like a sure thing. <laughs> but I love that you didn't. <laughs> so um, you land in San Francisco. Did you move in with your friend? What did you do? So um I flew, it was like the 4th of July because it was like the cheapest uh, airfare that day. Um, and I flew in and another friend uh, who had moved there um, before me picked me up at the airport and I get off the plane in my like Louisiana summer day outfit, but it's San Francisco <laughs> where it's freezing. Yes. Like what? This is California. Yeah. That's supposed to be like a summer in San Francisco. Day. That's a thing. You know, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Yeah, Mark exactly. Yep. So true. Yeah. So I get off the plane freezing, and um, I moved in um, with my friend's friend who had like a sublet for the summer. So I perfect stayed with her. Sent out a bunch of resumes, and um, yeah, eventually got a job at like a small firm and. So in North Beach, yeah, so. I mean that's oh in North Beach, that's some yeah. wonderful part of town. Um, yeah. So how did that feel? Like you're like I did it. Like I'm the graduate. I'm an architect. I I'm yes. in a firm now. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> Dad, don't worry. I can pay my rent. Like life is gravy. How did that go for you? Did you jump right in and love it, or was it a, a little more mundane than you thought? How what was the perception of working in architecture for you versus learning architecture? Uh, I mean, I thought I was doing great. I got this job at a, a firm that did like affordable housing and schools. So they were kind of more on the kind of social um, social projects kind of uh, part of not high design, right. more like functional. Functional, useful buildings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think I got like, I was getting like 
10 or $12 an hour. And I was like, this is great. I have plenty of money. <laughs> I can go out on Fridays. Like life I know, is I don't cake. know how I thought that was like, but it was plenty. It was enough for me to like live on. And I, I was like, this is great. Yeah. Um, Again, the beauties of being like 21, 22. You're like, this is amazing. But I think at the same time, I think there's something to be said for um, that excitement of a job, no matter what the pay is, knowing that you're going to only get better and work your way up. I do think there's something to be said. I want everybody to be paid their value for sure. But there is something to be said for, you know, not making the big, big, big dollars right away and really getting a sense of pride in your own life and your budgeting and paying your bills and like working your way into a job position. I think there's a lot of honor and respectability. And I think there's a lot of excitement for young people in that, like to Mm -hmm. see the climb on some level. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like good. And like, I could, yeah, I could pay my bills. It felt like enough at the time. It it wouldn't be enough today, obviously. No, (laughs) (laughs) not for anybody, but at the, but I, but I just remember like my first jobs out of college and stuff. I just remember being like, okay, okay. Like, no, I'm not at the top of the totem pole, but I'm doing gravy and I'll get there. You know, it's a good launch off point. Yeah. Yeah. And how long were you at that firm? Um, I was just there for, um, a couple of years. Cause then I got the kind of itch to go, um, to grad school. Wait, was it? A co- yeah. Yeah. It was just a couple of years. So I went, um, maybe it was two years. And then I did a year of kind of freelancing for, um, for a couple of architects. And then I um, went to grad school. And what was the impetus of like the itch for grad school? You just wanted to learn you know, more I or I, I thought I wanted to, um, teach. Cause I think I still had that kind of academic, um, track in my mind, yeah. um, like when I was an English major. So, and you can only teach with a master's. So I, um, that's why I thought I wanted to, um, to do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's that really time. smart. It gives you multiple opportunities to doing things you like to do, whether it's yeah. teaching them or, you know, actually doing the work yourself. Yeah. And then maybe, I mean, I think, like I said, like the firm I was working for was more on the kind of social, um, programs, which, which was great, but it's not a lot of like exciting design projects. So maybe I wasn't so thrilled with like, once I'd settled into my, you know, 10, $12 for, (laughs) you're like, like, wait a minute, (laughs) (laughs) which is again, that natural trajectory, you know, where you just kind of go like, okay, now I've settled in. I see my value. I know what I want to do. I'm seeing it in a working facilitated way. And maybe I could do more or maybe there's something more exciting. Right. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, applied to grad school and I decided I, w- I went to UCLA. So Bruins. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the time, and I was also uh, dating my future husband. Yeah. So uh, uh, we moved together um, and we moved to LA for a, it was just a year program, like a full year, like summer to summer. Um, yeah. And yeah, we lived in a little place in Venice and had a nice year. Awesome. 
All right, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful public school system here in Prescott, Arizona. The Prescott Unified School District has been serving children for over 150 years. And while the community and district has grown and changed considerably since 1868, the commitment to children, families, and the community remains the same to this day. PUSD welcomes all students, including those who live outside the district boundaries, because at Prescott Unified School District, every child, every day, Everywhere matters. Proceeds from your membership and our advertisers with Raven Productions goes directly to supporting the arts programs in the PUSD. Yeah. So when you, you were getting your uh, master's in architecture, so that you mm-hmm. could teach, and so what? How would you say that was different from the undergrad? What elevated in that experience of that year? Like, what did you gain out of that that you? I mean. I don't know if that's an even a fair question, but it's like, what did grad school elevate for you in the architecture um, world? You know, it's, that's a good question. I mean, I think it was really just more of the same, you know, like more design projects. And I, and I think even in that short gap between my undergrad and grad, the profession had already kind of changed a little bit. Like, because when I was an undergrad, we were still drafting by, by hand, you know, we'd still drew everything oh, yeah. and still built models. But by the time I got to grad school, just like a few years later, everything was digital. Like we were doing everything on the computer, uh, hardly built models anymore, um, like physical models. Was that a, a welcome shift for you or did you kind of miss? I'm just curious because I like there's certain things. I This is not a great comparison at all, just to be clear. But like as a musician, I still love when I go down to writing sessions, everybody pulls out their laptops and it's like lyrics out the out the wazoo, you know, and yeah. delete and erase and copy and paste. I'm still the person who shows up with like a notebook uh-huh. and a pen <laughs> because yeah. for me it's there's something to the artistry of the process of actually writing for mm-hmm. you having come from a background of literally drafting and building models and putting kind of that creative energy into seeing something 3D were you as excited about all the digital advancement or was it was it easier was it more useful or were you like oh i mean it's cool but I, I think it was actually good i mean i i i love drafting like i really liked it but it's such a you know, precious process. Like you're like drawing every line and making sure they end in right. a certain way. <laughs> and like the lines are intersecting. Like it's, it gets to be more about the drafting than the actual design of the, the product, the product yeah. in a way. So, I mean, I, while I love drafting and model making, um, I think it was kind of a step removed from actual um, design in a way. So I, I, I liked the shift. Um, I think you could explore more, more quickly yeah. um, with that. So yeah, that's a, that's a really cool perspective too. Yeah. You're like, I can get into more ideas more rapidly. If something's not working, I can figure it out faster Yeah, and reroute it and try something yeah. else. It's more iterative. Like you can kind of like build on things more quickly than yeah. So yeah. you were in LA for this summer to summer program with your boyfriend, soon to be husband of sorts. Mm-hmm. I don't know how quickly that came about afterwards, but when you finished the program, where was your headspace at? Were you like, now I can go teach. I want to teach. Or were you like, cool, I did it. I have my master's. Uh-huh. Um, now I just want to go get paid more money to, uh-huh. <laughs> to continue to design stuff. Where'd your brain uh-huh. go from there? Well, I mean, part of it was like, should we stay in LA? Um, cause I mean, that was one big shift in undergrad to graduate too. It's just the city you're in. Like LA is, you know, so big. There's so many like 
amazing architects down there. Um, there's so much going on in the in the kind of design world. Um, so we really thought about staying, but ultimately we went back to the Bay Area because my husband's he's more in the he worked for nonprofits at the time. I think it was a, a better fit to be in the Bay Area for him. So we moved back up, um, and I looked. I think I looked for some. Um, teaching jobs, but I also, I knew that wasn't going to pay a whole lot. So right. it would have to be like a side gig. Um, and then I so worked for another a firm. Um, and then when I finally, I, I did get a teaching job um, at the CCA here at, at a, for a freshman, not an architect, it wasn't in the architecture department, it was in the art department, but it was like a 3D class. So it's kind of an intro wow. to three-dimensional art. Right. Did you have to put together your syllabus and your... I did, which was really difficult. And um, and honestly, I realized I didn't like teaching. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but I think that's invaluable. I mean, better learn it now than be like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing and it's going to be my career and go, I don't like this at all. (laughs) Never mind. So glad I paid for graduate school. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, better to go, cool, I, I have my master's, let's go see what else I can do. Um, yeah, no, I'm still glad I got the master's for, for other reasons. But yeah. like, yeah, the teaching, I was like, oh, this this is not not for me. It wasn't a good fit. And um, I was talking to some, I have a lot of friends who are professors now, and we've talked about whether it's like the your sibling order as part of... Um, yeah. I always had an older sibling, so I was used to being more on the the receiving end of information and kind of taking right. in more of a studious role, like yeah. learning and absorbing yeah. and shifting opposed to the yeah. guiding and leading and telling. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just realized it wasn't, it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm just curious. What did your sister go on to do now that we're just talking about siblings again? What did she, what has she gone on to do? Well, she her- ended up, you know, like I said, she was like an artistic child, but she actually ended up going in the, um, uh, medical she's a she was a doctor and now she actually went back to school and got her master's in public health so she went totally oh. different path yeah that's amazing yeah. that's i'm glad i asked because that's so interesting so you guys decide to relocate up to the bay area your husband's in have you guys gotten married at this point not married at this point yeah we did end up getting married uh while we were in la so okay uh, yeah, cool we first time we came back yeah that's <laughs> cool yeah and then when you, so you got back and then you were looking, you did the teaching job for about a year. You went in, eh, not so much. And yeah. then, um, did you immediately then go looking for another firm or were you at this point, did you have anything in your mind? Like I want to do X and I want to look for a firm that does X or did you go, maybe I should branch out on my own. Cause none of this is suiting my own ideas. No, I did try to find the, a firm that would be good for me at the time. Cause I was, you know, I had kind of been through the, um, a couple of firms that did, you know, good work, but maybe not exciting work, I, I would say. Like, I, I liked them, but I was looking for something a little more um, exciting. So I, you know, worked for a couple of other firms. And I, even with the those kind of high design firms, I still didn't feel like they were the, the fit. great fit. Still? Is that where your mind was at at the time, the high design? And what does that even, what does that mean? <laughs> I oh mean, like, God. are you looking at like big, ex- fancy Vegas buildings or what does high design mean? No, like, a, like just high end, I guess. Okay. It's 
like like really cool buildings, really cool like really cool houses, really cool you know stuff that you see in magazines. Kind of yeah, like things. that home that when you open Architectural Digest and you go, wow, that house is incredible. That right. kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I wanted, but but then when I worked for those kind of firms, I'm like, well, this isn't it either. Like, I think it was because you know, you're just working on these projects, but you're not really like, in, at least as a, um, my level as the like staff person of a firm, you're not really engaging with the people so much, you know, you're just kind of doing the, the work. So I think that's what I was missing is like, oh, well, I'm designing these houses for people, but I've never actually like engaged <laughs> and taken them in and, and yeah. really sat eye to eye and been like, let's talk about you. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you really need? Do you really want this nook or this (laughs) or whatever? So, um, yeah, that's what I kind of, what felt like I wasn't getting. Um, but then that was the time of the recession, the 2008. So for the firm, that kind of high end firm I was working for, their work was slowing down. Um, I was working on even less interesting work there. And my husband and I had just bought this tiny little house that was like 700 square feet. And, and it's we good had thing little, there's, did you have a nugget by then or was it just the yes, two of you? Yeah. Yeah. We had like a three, three and a half year old. Oh. Um, so we, I took that, up, we were going to, as soon as we bought the house, we knew we had to do, you know, a pretty major project to, make it livable and make it like earthquake safe for our um, neighborhood. and all that. So, uh, so that I kind of took that opportunity where the work at work was slowing down to focus on our own house. That's when I, we took on the whole renovation and, um, now I have to ask this because as somebody who like loves design, I just have such an appreciation for it. How do you narrow when you see a project, obviously you have to stay true to what to some confining restrictions of what the house is or what the space is that you have, or, I mean, assuming you're not just like knocking it down and starting over, mm-hmm. how do you narrow what you want when you know all the options? That's the thing that I don't understand. It's like, okay, I love, you know, mo- mid-century modern, but I also love Spanish villa. I also <laughs> love, like, if I were sitting in your shoes and it was like, okay, hubs, we're going to, stuff's slowing down, I'm going to start working on it. How do you narrow what you want based on all the things you know? Well, for us, it was kind of easy because we had a budget. So we were like, <laughs> Sorry. <it> narrow. <laughs> You're all, here's why it was easy. Fit into this budget. That's what yeah. you get. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the house was a very mid-century. It was just like a box with like, you know, the wood wood ceilings and um, like a simple mid-century. Yeah. Like it was literally 1954, you know. House. Awesome. Um, so that gave us the excuse to do a very simple box addition to yeah. it that, um, that carried on some of the same, you know, design concepts of that, of the main house, but a little modernized for today. That's awesome. Yeah. So then now you yourself and your husband are the client. Did you guys butt heads ever? Like, where is it ever kind of a, he was oh, like, yeah. well, I want blah. And you're like, well, tough bananas, dude, because I'm designing it. <laughs> like, how did that, how did, how did, how did well, you, yeah, st- how did you stay married before. through this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I do so much uh, kind of uh, husband and wife or partner management in my 
role. <laughs> I'm sure. I have not even a doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, but no, he grew up um, in a like very preserved Spanish mission style house in San Diego. It's beautiful. Like yeah. every, you know, it's, and that's kind of how he grew up. So I think it took him a bit to come around to a more modern aesthetic <laughs> yeah, aesthetic for the, for the house. But like I said, we were also limited by budget and, and the style of the house that we already that we owned, right, because you, know. you weren't going to level it and start over and say, well, now no. this is going to be a missionary Spanish-style home. It is still, you're staying within the tradition of what the home already presented. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. again, tough bananas, baby. This is how this yeah. is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I did uh, it, it, I did come to around to his side on a lot of things because, you know, he, he's much more into um, high-quality, natural materials yeah. like I'm like let's just get an Ikea kitchen I'm fine with that right because you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't take up X of the budget and it'll still yeah. look good and it's functional and we can put the money into other places yeah and he's, he's like, like no 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 I want <laughs> I want real wood I want <laughs> and I and, and he's right you know you do want to spend the money on on some aspects of your house that are going to be there for every single day and forever. Yeah. And you look at them every day and you use them every day and you walk by them every day. Yeah. And they're going to like a space, like a kitchen that you're going to use all the time is going to have to be able to age. Well, (laughs) you know, like totally it gets a lot of use and a lot of spills and a lot of (laughs) stuff that you need to be able to clean and right. So at this point, you have one nugget. It's a recession. You have a budget. You're designing. You butt heads here and there, but you both figure that out and you build. Then you go ahead and build this. Was it an addition? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Basically an addition. Like, so the house was a, um, you know, 700 square foot box, but it was over a really steep site. So we actually had space below. It's a downsloping lot. So we actually added on under the house. Like we, kept the house in place and kind of built up to create a pad under it yeah yeah that's so steep that we did it actually wasn't a pad we still had room to have like an elevated floor (laughs) underneath holy cow that doesn't sound like a little project that sounds like a very big project project. (laughs) (laughs) sounds like you're like i'm so glad you want those wood cabinets i would like you know sturdy stilts to hold this thing yeah yeah that's what we kind of compromised on. We, we, uh, for the kitchen, my husband ended up building a section of cabinet himself. Um, you know, we used like the tool lending library and stuff. And then we had like just a temporary piece of like, you know, counter until we could afford the rest. Yeah. (laughs) So we kind of had to phase things as, as, uh, money became a But I love hearing all of this stuff because I mean, as far as you as a working professional now, what an incredible experience to add to your repertoire of understanding other people's needs and budgets and going, there are certain things you can do in phases or stages and we can do certain things within a realm that are going to be exponentially better than what you're dealing with now, but we can look maybe a year or two down the road and then upgrade XYZ, which maybe you wouldn't have seen in the same light had you yeah. not been through it personally, you know? Yeah. 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 No, budgets are real. And I, I, most of my clients um, are people who have budgets. You know, they're regular <laughs> people who <laughs> who have regular jobs and they have... 
Yeah, it's my husband's in real estate. So obviously, you know, he sells homes and buildings and all things of this nature, which is part of the reason why I have so much respect and love for architects. Um, But it's funny until you go, we, you know, until we bought our first property and until we went through the process and all the harassment of your lender and all the things you have to do. He's a much better agent now for us having gone through, you know, the ups and downs of the buyer seller process personally. And I I can see how that same thing would apply. And you're like, people are human. They do have budgets. They can only do X. They can't really stretch that extra 20,000 when you think, oh, just, you know, 20 more thousand. It's like, that's a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So then where, so you guys did this remodel kind of in the recession time. Mm -hmm. And then where did you go in your, is this part of when you were like, you know, did this have any brewing for you on kind of doing it yourself or this book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, not the the book yet, but like, I definitely thought, like, oh, this will be, a, you know, maybe a good stepping stone to um, helping doing smaller projects. Because when I'd w- been working for firms, we did you know bigger projects, but this was a way into like, um, you know, like a little bathroom remodel or a kitchen yeah. reno, like li- little things that I felt like I could handle on my own without the support of a a big staff, you know, yeah. I could do an addition. And so yeah, I started getting little projects like that. How do you do that? Do you just go tell and all your friends, like, by the way, I'm open for business. If you need to do a remodel, call me. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. how you do it. <laughs> and I, and I, I took anything like I, you know, Craigslist, sometimes people would post things there and I would just take anything. Like one of my first projects was, uh, was actually a bar in San Francisco. Um, and they just needed like, they didn't need a lot of design, but they just needed like a permit set. And I'm like, I'll do it. I, I can do it just because. Yeah. Build, you know, it gets you out there. Up. Yeah. Just get some experience. And even just going through that permit process with the city and you learn from everything. So it's like, I just took whatever, whatever I could get. Gosh, first. I love hearing that, Debbie, because I, you would be a perfect example of somebody that's like, okay, here, I, I did my undergrad. I did my graduates. I've worked at these fancy firms. It's so easy to be like, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that. You know, I love, I love when I hear anybody in any business really, but especially in a creative endeavor, stepping out into their own two feet and saying, listen, I'm not above anything. I'm going to learn from all of it. I'm going to start uh-huh. small. I'm going to do the word of mouth. I'm going to take the thing off Craigslist and yeah. I'm going to go see what that gains me in my experience to get further along in this kind of individualized plan. I think so often people forget that there's power in those decisions. So I love hearing that from somebody as accomplished as you are being like, listen, we all start out somewhere. Like take the thing yeah. you didn't think you would ever take. Just go do it. Learn something. Yeah. And I did it. I wasn't like brought up, um, you know, in a family or culture that had a lot of connections like that, that where you had a built in maybe network of people who need architects. Like it's actually pretty rare to need an architect right. for, for most people. So I kind of had to seek it out however I could. Basically. Yeah. Like, and how did it go when you worked with the city where you're like, okay. I'm good. Like, did it give you the the confidence to kind of just keep going? Or where did you hit some hiccups and go, oh, God, what did I do? Well, yeah. No, I definitely had hiccups. Like, I, I did, like, a bathroom. You'd think after doing, like, school buildings for 
many years that a little residential bathroom would be like super easy. No biggie. But, <laughs> but you're like, I, I ordered really low toilets, like kids' toilets. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize I, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just all the stuff that goes into a, to the, yeah, there are hiccups, but I work through them. And like I said, you learn from that. And then in the next bathroom, I had that down. <laughs> you're like, know? I'm solid. Let's do this. Yeah. So yeah, so that just kind of grew into, yeah. And then where, when did the next babies come along? Um, they came along, uh, so kind of during that renovation project, which, um, you're all, we were home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We were home. Another kid came. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So one of them, my middle daughter, um, was born during, during the renovation. Cause I remember like having her on my. Oh my yeah. gosh. You're amazing. You're like living through your own renovation while pregnant and then having a child. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this woman is a saint. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was home. So, you know, that it was That's kind amazing. of, a, yeah, doing, a, doing a lot. And, um, and then I had a third kind of at the, the end, when was that? It's, it's all blurring together now, but, but yeah. <laughs> So I have three now. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And are you guys still in the same house? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. How, I'm just curious. How big is it in its entirety now from the 700 square it's, feet? It's uh, 1,700 now. So oh, wow. 1,000 square feet. And it's um, four bedrooms. So everybody has their own space. Own space. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. Proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so then when did the, when did the book start cooking in your mind? Um, so the book, I actually had started it as a, um, as something I thought I could share with clients. Like, like I I wrote a little, like lessons learned through my home renovation project. Um, and I self-published it. I I wasn't really looking at it, at it as a, a broader thing. It was just kind of like a guide, guidebook thing that I would give to, to clients. But then, um, from that, like a few people who had read it were like, oh, I really liked it. This was really helpful. Um, and my, my mother-in-law too, my husband's mother was like, oh, I love this book. And um, she was actually in it. Like I write a little thing about her and her, her house is, you know, beautiful. And it has like, uh, I don't know, she just has a really good eye. So I talk about her in it. Um, yeah. So she's like, I love this book. Yeah, she's, she's, great. <laughs> she's like telling everybody, I don't know if you've read this book, but you should read this book. There's a particular chapter I'd like to highlight and start. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so it got, um, you know, I, I got good feedback from it. And then I don't know if this is just how, um, kind of women think of, think of things, but I kind of lucked out and I, met a woman who was a publisher and I gave her the the guidebook. I was like, Hey, what do you think I should do with this? Like in terms of like the design of it, like the layout and like yeah. marketing of it. And she read it. She was like, you know what? I actually want to publish this. And I was like, Oh, oh, <laughs> that's amazing. And, that um, is amazing. Yeah. So she, we kind of fleshed it out. Um, it was only like, you know, it was less than a hundred pages when I had done it originally. And I just had like pictures of my family and, you know, it was very yeah. homemade <laughs> before. So she, you know, took Roost Books um, as a publisher and they brought in like an illustrator who's incredible and a book designer and just kind of 
created this incredible Piece. book out of it. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's exciting. That's so thrilling. And I mean, I, what I love about that most is that it was made from such a heartfelt, good place, you know, as far as your experience and sharing some of the things to help others avoid whatever pitfalls or just design ideas and things to be thinking about as you're going through these processes. But I love that it like harkened back to your old like English, you know, <laughs> beginnings where it's like, now I'm a book author. Like, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Combined. Yeah, no, I always like uh, writing. So it was nice to be able to kind of integrate my my two interests into one, one yeah. book. That's yeah. so incredible. You're such a badass. I love this. So up up until this point in the journey, you are still, you've done the book. Did you officially become DDA? Had this happened at this point? Um, yeah, that had already happened, just, you know, maybe... Um, 10 years ago. Okay. So yeah, I've been working in, as DDA for, for a while now. And, yeah. and what I did with the book, like, you know, when I started um, kind of working out on my own projects and stuff, originally the book was just about my house and how, how, you know, I approached it and the things that I ran into. But when I fleshed it out a little more, I brought in all these other experiences I've had since then with other clients, you know, in, in similar situations. So it really kind of made the book a lot richer, not just my experience, but, right. you know, what other people have, have gone through. I um, love it. Have, have you at, do you have a favorite project you've worked on to date? Is there something that you're like, is a pinnacle for you thus far that you were like, I loved X project? Um, well, there's this one project that's actually been going on forever but it's uh <laughs> sorry this is so funny you're all still going still going a, it was a house that was started as a as a kitchen renovation like it was one of these projects that was like oh we just want to improve um what we have you know and but they were on this like beautiful piece of property um across the bay in uh tiburon and it, the project just kind of grew and grew over over time. So they so had a good budget. <laughs> yeah. This was not a limited. I mean, there are always limits, but yeah. that was not one of them. But, <laughs> but they, it ended up being like a whole house remodel now, like kind of rebuilding the whole, the whole thing. And it's been great to see it kind of um, develop and progress and just take advantage of this incredible property like whoever built it originally had just kind of um glommed on little pieces over the years and it just didn't make any sense you right. know from a functional experiential perspective so just so uh, in that instance do you then what you get called by somebody do you go to the home to see it as it is and then sit down with the person or couple and say, what is it you're looking like? What is your interview process to get the information to be able to help you design to suit their needs? Yeah, no, usually I like to, uh, I mean, it's been a little, that's been kind of the challenge of this year, not being able to see people in person as much, but I think that's a critical first step is meeting someone in their homes and just kind of watching how they use the space and you know where things feel crowded and like they obviously don't it's not optimized you know right. for how they actually how they actually live um and you know, 
maybe they're big cooks, but their kitchen is like dark and dank, or, or maybe they don't cook at all, but they have this amazing kitchen for some right. reason. You know, there's, <laughs> there's kind of a lot of things that, um, that you just inherit in a house. Like, you know, you buy a house because that's what's available. You know, it's what's in your budget. It's in the neighborhood you want, whatever, you know, whatever. It checks you know? off more of the boxes than less of the boxes, yeah. even though it's not all of the boxes. Yeah, exactly. So there's always kind of ways to, you know, nudge a house into more how you want to live. Uh, or how you so in the instance of this ongoing kind of project, it started with the kitchen. So when you went over there, you were like, oh yeah, we could do X, Y, and Z. Were you, the, I'm just curious, were you the one that was like, oh man, it's so funny that that's your living room when we could have put one over there and that could be like a music room. I mean, were you the one going, I could see this differently? Or were they like, what other ideas would you have? How did it begin in its evolution? Well, it was a house that was really just like chopped up. Like they had this beautiful view of the bay, but you couldn't, you could only see it from certain spaces and it just didn't take advantage of the. And this house, if I'm not mistaken, is on your website, right? Because I, the Tiburon house, I think I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because it's incredible. So I welcome anybody to go to Debbie's website and go click on it to see how it's looking. Yeah. And, you know, I think the more, there's definitely a team um, in the process, the interior designer and um, the owner, of course, and contractors. And once you start opening up walls, you're like, well, if we're opening up this wall, we might as well open up the roof. Or yeah, raise the, the ceiling. Wall. I mean, if yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think one thing kind of leads to another. And um, when you're spending that much money on a project, you're like, we should really get what we want instead of trying to like shoehorn things into spaces that weren't meant for it. Right. Yeah. I love it. That's incredible. I I think you're so amazing. I love when uh, just knowing that there's somebody out there that has not only the vision, but the physical know-how to go, oh, this, these are the ideas you have. Let me put them into a shape and mm-hmm. create a digital design and show you what could be your lifestyle. <laughs> I think that's yeah. so amazing because you're really doing exactly what you just said. You're creating the home somebody's dreaming of out of an existing you know, piece of wood and, and bolts and, you know, slabs yeah. of sticks and whatever else. Um, yeah. That's incredible. What would you say, if you don't mind me asking, I ask everybody some questions, you know, that I, that I like to know the answer to, but um, what would you say through the journey that you've had this far and getting to a place where you're designing these incredible homes for people and working with them in, in their own lifestyles? What is something you would tell your younger self? Um, you know, I think I spent a lot of time when I was younger, um, like being kind of timid and, um, thinking my ideas weren't good or, or I might be laughed at or like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But I realized now that I'm older and I'm kind of on the other side of of mentoring younger people, like they just, just to be bold, like you can say your ideas, they might be bad ideas, but it doesn't mean it's get them out there. Yeah. Get them out there and like, get the feedback on your bad idea or your okay idea or your great idea, you know, like just, yeah, I would say be bold is, is my advice to my younger self. Do you think you ever had a time in your life where you were a little bit afraid to share your bold ideas? Was that a thing? Like where you were like, it's better to walk the cautious path opposed to the daring Yeah, one? yeah, I th- definitely. I think maybe, you know, because I did move a lot, I, I think I, I watched a lot 
you know, when I, when I first was in a new space and just to kind of get a lay of the land and I didn't want to like take up too much, too much space or, you know, overstep what I thought was my right. role. But now I realize like, yeah, I could have, could have been out there a little more. Yeah. And now do you find like with having all the education and having the time in the saddle, as we say in horse talk, um, but having time in the saddle and doing these projects like you've done, do you feel like now you come to the table with when you see something, you just voice it or you go, here's a plethora of options you could do in this space. How do you use that same idea into your work now? Uh, I mean, I think I just have more confidence to to know, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know? You're like, I've done this. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <And laughs> this is going to work out options. better for you. <laughs> yeah. And on the options, I, I think you don't want too many options. Like I, I get overwhelmed, you know, at the yogurt aisle at the grocery store. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's too, it's too much. So there's always like a couple of good ideas. And I think it's easier to choose from two or three instead of 20. There's, yeah. Of course there's 20 ways to do it, but there's really only two or three good good ways to do it. Right. So let's just skip to the punch and like get yeah. to the part that these are the good ways. Now let's whittle down from there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What would you say has been or is your definition of success? And has that word changed from you for you at all throughout the journeys that you've taken in architecture and design? Um, yeah. I, you know, when I was younger, and I think most people, um, who grew up in the eighties and the nineties, like career and success was kind of a ladder. Like you just keep climbing and totally, you know, like get to the top. But I think now, um, it's more like a maze, you know, <laughs> like you're kind of navigating. There's a lot of ways through maybe, and some, some are dead ends or you might get distracted and yeah. decided on a different route or there might be a shortcut, but you know, I think it's, more like that there are many options and you'll make your way through it, you know, yeah. instead of feeling like you always have to top, top yourself. Right. A more, more sustainable way of living, like a, a place to know that like, there's always room to grow, always where somewhere to go. You're yeah. going to continually learn. So don't yeah. be so obsessed with the climb factor. Yeah. 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 Do you pretty much work from home now? I mean, I, COVID aside, but I mean, do you work do, for yourself in your home environment, in an office environment? No, I, I'm in my office right now. I, I, I have been working at home this year quite a bit, but um, I prefer to work in an office. Yeah. I, I need the space. <laughs> yeah, get in there and shift your mindset, not be mom yeah. for those handful of hours and like go in and do your work. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I totally get that. What yeah. would you say has been a career high? And if you've had one, a career low? Uh, the career high is definitely like the, the book, like publishing this house to home is really exciting and I'm glad to get, um, get it out there and hopefully it can be helpful to people. I'm going to go get a copy right after awesome. I'm done talking to you. Are you yeah. kidding? I'm so excited. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's been super exciting. I always want to you know, try new things. Um, a low would probably be, you know, when I, I think I mentioned I worked for this um, kind of star architect for a little while and I, I had really wanted to work for them. And then when I did finally got this kind of dreamish job, it's like, oh, they're not very nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, this is not, not what I thought it would be. And, 
even though they're doing great work, uh, like the process isn't, isn't enjoyable because it's such an unpleasant I love that you bring that up too, because I think that goes directly in line with what you had just said about talking to your younger self. It's like, you know, we, we tend to make these ideas of what is supposed to be the stepping stone to the next thing. And it's like, here you work for the big star person and it's supposed to be the big fancy thing. And you get in it and you go, doesn't suit me. It's not my vibe. Like, I mean, I like the work. I like the thing, but maybe uh, I need to look at this differently and and find another way to satisfy and fulfill myself without Mm -hmm. worrying about if this marks the next rung on the ladder. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's so cool. I mean, I, I, I feel like you've been blessed to have an experience like that where you're like, I got in there, I got the quote unquote dream job and I was able to see that maybe that wasn't my actual dream job, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have to tell you, Debbie, I enjoy you so much. This has been so much fun. I hope it's been easy for you because I, yeah. always, I always wonder if it's daunting when you sit down with somebody you've never met and you have to like talk about your whole life. If it's, I, have, I haven't actually gotten that feedback. Yeah, from I don't someone. think I've talked about all this stuff, uh, especially with like a total stranger. I know. <laughs> but uh, no, that's, you have a super engaging and you make people feel comfortable. Oh, good. That's good to hear. Cause I, I, especially we were referred by a mutual friend, Newt, who has spoken so highly of you. And I always love, I find it so thrilling, but it's fun to hear your feedback only because I'm like, how is it just show up and just be like, I don't know you. Let me tell you about all of my stages of my life and popping out children and remodels and, you know, budgets. I don't know, but I appreciate your willingness because it's been awesome. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Yeah. Tell our listeners where they should be finding you because there could be somebody listening right now that's like, oh my gosh, I need an architect. Where should they be looking for you? Yeah. Well, the book is House to Home, um, Designing Your Space for the Way You Live, and it's published by Roost Books. You can get it anywhere, um, hopefully at your local Yeah, shop local. Not, at your favorite online bookseller. Um, yeah, or ask your local bookseller. Please yeah, carry this book. Bookseller. Yeah. They should be able to get it. Yeah. Um, and then um, my website is deviedetta.com. D-E-V is in Victor. I-D-U-T-T-A.com. Um, can always reach me. I love it. We will make sure that all your links are included so that it's an easy one-step click for them to find you. But it's always nice to hear in case someone's driving and they're like, oh, okay, mental notes to self. That's where I go, you know. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for being my guest, Debbie. I sure appreciate you taking the time. It's been so awesome getting too. to know you and talking to you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah. You as well. And if I need an architect, I know who to call now. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. This is wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you for being my guest. Please stay in touch. I will. I'll bug you every now and again and shoot you an email and just say hi. But um, Sounds good. thank you yeah. for being my guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your world of architecture with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Okay. Take care of you. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our awesome sponsors, New Belgium. One of their beers, Voodoo Ranger IPA, is a favorite here at the Creative Convergence. Voodoo Ranger IPA is perfectly balanced with notes of guava, mango, and pineapple with a delicately bitter finish. For beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram, where you will hear about what's new and where you can find Voodoo Ranger near you. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly. Live rangerously. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence. 
Coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? Or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.